Hi, my name is Damien Marucci. I'm a plastic and reconstructive surgeon in Sydney, Australia, and I'm an associate professor of surgery at the University of Sydney. This is a patient education podcast on facelift and neck lift surgery. Before we start discussing surgery for either a facelift or a neck lift, I think it's important that we look at what happens to our faces and necks as we age. We always think about things descending or things loosening and needing to be tight. But it's actually a little bit more complicated than that. And you can look at aging at a number of different layers or levels. So first of all, looking at the skin, there is certainly an increase in wrinkles or writids as we get older. And the reasons for that are many. There is a loss of elasticity. The action of muscles over time can cause lines or wrinkles, especially in Australia. There can be damage from the sun, which also contributes to this loss of elasticity. Looking deeper then at the tissues underneath. We used to just think that the tissues sort of descended due to gravity, but in fact there is also an element of volume loss of fat and it's not just fat volume that we lose. There's also an element of bone volume loss. And the loss of the volume, whether it's fat or bone, deep down causes a loss of support for the tissues on top. And so it's a combination then of volume loss deeply leading to volume descent more superficially. In terms of how then to correct things, you can see that it might not just be surgical. So looking at the skin, good skin care is important. So sun protection, wearing a hat, wearing sunscreen, avoiding the sun between the hours of 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. All those are very important for the appearance of your face. In terms of skin care, using a good moisturizer, having a good diet, not smoking, all of those contribute to the appearance of your skin and your face. So when we start talking about interventions then, just starting with the skin, you can look at ways of resurfacing the skin, whether it's with laser resurfacing, chemical peels used to be in vogue, they're used a lot less nowadays. Going down to the action of muscles by using injections that are neuromuscular toxins, the most common being Botox or Dysport, they paralyze the muscle and thereby decrease the wrinkling of the overlying skin. And that can greatly improve the appearance, especially around the eyes with the frown lines or the crow's feet on the outer part of the eyes. Dermal fillers can also be used to fill up these crevices, which occur due to frequent muscle use and the lines. But fillers can also be used deeply to replace the volume that is lost over time up against the bone. In a addition to using these synthetic fillers, probably one of the best fillers to use is the patient's own fat. And what we can do is harvest fat, usually from the abdomen or thighs, and inject just a few mils of fat, most commonly deeply on the inner part of the cheek adjacent to the nose. And that just restores some of the volume loss and can also help support the overlying tissue. Finally, if all of these maneuvers are not enough, then you might be a candidate for a surgical face lift or neck lift. So the goals of the surgery are not necessarily just tightening the tissue. It might also involve using fat as a filler to replenish the lost volume and then repositioning the more superficial tissue back where it should be. This normally results in an excess of skin and then that excess of skin can be removed at that time. What is a facelift? What is a neck lift? 
A facelift and a neck lift are often combined together and it's a surgical procedure in order to tighten the skin and the soft tissues of the cheek and the neck and to trim the excess skin as a result of that tightening normally in front of the ear and behind the ear into the scalp. It usually involves in my hands tightening the muscles in the neck in the midline through a very small incision underneath the chin. Before the surgery, no special investigations or x-rays are required. If you are taking blood thinner medication, I will liaise with you and your heart specialist about whether that can be ceased and how long before the surgery it can be ceased safely. The surgery is performed under a general anesthetic. That means you're completely asleep. And once you go to sleep, we put a tube in your mouth. We monitor your heart, lungs, and breathing during the surgery. And local anesthetic is put everywhere in the soft tissues underneath the skin and into the neck. Often one of the early things I do is a bit of liposuction in the jowl area and sometimes in the midline of the neck. The surgery basically involves lifting up the skin of the cheek and the neck off the soft tissues and muscles underneath. You then tighten those soft tissue and muscles and you put them into a better position to lift everything back up where it needs to be. Once the tissue underneath the skin has been tightened then you can redrape the skin. In terms of the incisions that are made during a facelift and a neck lift, I make incisions which start off in the sideburn area of the hair, then just in front of the ear, around the earlobe, along the back of the ear, and then into the scalp behind the ear. By making those incisions, I can then get access to the muscles of the outer part of the neck and the soft tissue underneath the skin of the cheek. I almost always make an extra incision underneath the chin. That incision is quite short and it's well hidden, but that allows me to get access to the very front part of the neck where many patients have bands which they would like treated. So in order to treat those bands, I make an incision underneath the chin. I can then identify those bands and divide them. I can also stitch together the muscles which have been separated at the very front part of the neck. Then going from the side, I can pull on those same neck muscles to tighten all of the soft tissue and muscles of the neck and I hitch them up to the tissue just behind the ear. In terms of the face and cheeks, what I do is I tighten all of the soft tissues underneath the skin in order to re position everything that is slowly descended with time to try to smooth out the jowl area and to lift the soft tissues back onto the prominence of the cheek underneath the eyes to give nice well-defined cheekbones. So once all this repositioning has been done, whether it's the neck or the cheek, you're then left with excess skin and we trim the excess skin in front of the ear and behind the ear. Drains are placed. Drains are small hollow tubes which exit above and behind the ear and I put one drain into the cheek and one drain into the neck. I then close the skin using a combination of dissolving and non-dissolving stitches. So in front of the ear I use non-dissolving stitches. Behind the ear I use staples going into the scalp. 
On top of the stitches, I put simple dressings, which is basically Vaseline and gauze. And then I put the patient into a neck binder. This is like a stretchy band, which has Velcro on top, and it does up on the top of the head. It goes underneath the chin and underneath the neck. So it provides some gentle pressure on the neck and gentle pressure on the cheek. The drains come out around the ear and those drains stay in for a day or two. After the surgery, you go to recovery, you wake up, we make sure you're okay. Once you're okay and everything's settled, then you can go home. The overwhelming majority of my patients go home the same day. Although there is the option to stay in a hospital overnight, but the vast majority of patients don't need that. When you go home, you're just taking it nice and easy. You just leave the dressings alone. You'll be able to see the drain canisters, but you don't have to do anything with them. That night, you can just sleep on an extra pillow or two. It's normal to be swollen, and the cheeks in particular can be quite bulgy and swollen out to the side, and it can be quite unusual to look at for the first day or two. But that swelling goes down, and everything tends to settle down very quickly with time. As I mentioned earlier, I put lots of local anaesthetic into the wound. The local anaesthetic lasts for a couple of hours. You'll also be given very strong painkillers to go home with. When the local anaesthetic wears off, you might need some painkillers, but it doesn't tend to be a particularly painful procedure. One of the things about the surgery is that because all of the skin is lifted off the face and neck, everything's actually quite numb afterwards. But slowly, over a period of weeks to months, the sensation will return to the cheeks. It's not unusual to get a little bit of an electricity lightning sort of pain as the sensation does come back to the cheeks. It is rare for there to be any significant bleeding from the wounds after the surgery, but if there were to be any oozing, firm pressure directly over the wounds using clean tissues for 10 minutes will stop the vast majority of bleeding. If it hasn't stopped, you'll be given a contact number, a way that you can get in contact with me, and just let me know and I'll sort it out. I will usually see patients within one or two days of the surgery. At that time, I will remove the neck binder and remove the drains. After that time, you can go home and have a shower. You can use soap, shampoo, everything, and just have a normal shower right over the dressings. I ask you to apply Vaseline to the stitches in front of the ear and the stitches underneath the chin. The staples in the scalp don't need any fancy dressings. I ask you to wear the neck binder day and night for the first week, and then just at night for another week week or two after that. The stitches in front of the ear and underneath the chin are removed at one week. The staples behind the ear in the scalp come out after two weeks. Most patients are able to drive a few days after the surgery. Obviously, no swimming and no exercise for at least two weeks after the surgery. And nothing for exercise. You can walk to get from A to B, but I don't want you walking for exercise. I will let you know when it's safe to return to the gym and doing heavy exercise. Face and neck lift surgery is very safe. It's surgery I do a lot of. There are some potential risks of surgery and things to expect. I've already mentioned the swelling that can be quite marked for the first week. 
that swelling does go down very quickly. But in terms of social activity, I recommend trying to get a good two to three weeks away from work and other people. There are scars, but the scars are hidden in the fold around the ear and in the groove underneath the chin. All scars are permanent and they can be red, raised and lumpy for a couple of months, but then do tend to settle down into a fine white line. Different people do scar differently. Some scars can be raised, some scars can stretch, some scars can be indented, but everything does tend to settle down. Some people can produce an excess amount of scar tissue, but that's quite rare after facelift surgery. Bleeding and infection can happen with any kind of surgical procedure, and even in a face or neck lift. Infection is pretty uncommon, as the face and neck have a very good blood supply. In terms of bleeding, unfortunately bleeding can sometimes occur, and very occasionally we even need to go back to the operating theatre in order to stop bleeding. But the chance of that happening are pretty small. There are nerves from the facial nerve that allow you to move the muscles around your eyes, nose, and mouth. The facial nerve branches are well beneath the muscles and soft tissues of the face. The way I do a facelift is that I'm not actually near the facial nerves, but I am moving the tissues which are above them. I hold the tissues in position with dissolving stitches. It's very rare for the nerve branches to be damaged or bruised, but if they were to be bruised, it's normally something that recovers within a few weeks or months. Knock on wood, I've never had any permanent nerve injury after face or neck lift surgery. The key to all plastic surgery is to do just enough, but not too much. If I don't do enough, it means that I haven't pulled things tight enough. If I haven't sort of repositioned things aggressively enough, you may not see a major difference after the surgery. On the other side of the coin, if I do too much, I can distort things by putting too much tension on an area. My goal is to get that balance just right, to tighten things enough that you see a difference, but not tighten them so much that they cause distortion. In terms of the longevity of the results, using the facelift technique that I use, studies have shown that you can expect a good 5 to 10 years of difference. After that time, gravity always wins and you may need some touch-up surgery or revision surgery. I hope this patient education podcast has answered some of your questions. If you have any further questions, please don't hesitate to contact me either via email or through the rooms. Once again, my name is Damien Marucci. I'm a plastic and reconstructive surgeon in Sydney, Australia. And thank you very much for listening.